Micah chapter 3, I think there's a, a very clear application to the world that we live in today. And hopefully, as we move through this study, we can see that connection and we can make that connection. We can learn some things uh, from the book of Micah. Hopefully, we've learned several things already, but hopefully there's some lessons left for us here in chapter 3. As we move through chapter 3, there's two very clear warnings given to begin chapter 3. There is a warning that begins this chapter that's given to the secular rulers, what we would probably call today our government officials. Uh, There's a warning given to them. And then shortly followed thereafter, there is a warning given to the prophets at the time, which we might see today as our religious leaders in the world today. But let's begin with the first warning the message to the secular rulers or the, the government officials. We begin in, in verse 1 and it says, Hear you, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. It is not for you to know justice. You who hate the good and love the evil. A very strong message from Micah to begin this chapter. A very strong message to say, You who hate the good and love the evil to hate the good and love the evil. A very strong message from Micah that we read here very early in this chapter. He goes on to say, "...who tear the skin off my people and their flesh from their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay the skin from off of them, and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron." That's some pretty powerful words that Micah used to describe the leaders of the time. And when we think about these words that he used, we may stop and say, well, well, things like that would never happen in our nation today. That was, that was just things of that time. That would never happen in a world that we live in today. But let's start with the first thing. Let's start with the first example that Micah used to describe the leaders. You who hate good and love what is evil. When we look around the world today, when we look around our nation today, I think there's several, there's so many examples that we could use of government officials who hate good and love evil. And then we follow that up with this imagery of, of literally tearing body parts to pieces. And we ask ourselves, would that ever happen in the world that we live in today? Would that ever happen in the United States of America And as we think about those words, we read news stories each and every day of the thousands of children that are taken because of abortion. We see our government make laws saying that it's okay for a child at a certain point in time to be aborted. And once we think about things like that, we don't have to look very far to see similarities apparently between the leaders of the time when Micah was prophesying in our leaders today. We see just recently laws made about homosexual marriage, gay marriage. And we hear the words that Micah used, those who hate what is good and love what is evil. And so all throughout history, there have been government officials, and any time that you have someone in power... There's a temptation for corruption. And apparently that was no different when Micah was prophesying than it is today. Because with a little bit of power comes great responsibility. And how will those government officials handle that responsibility? 
How will they handle their ability to make laws that will affect so many people? And we as humans struggle. And how many times do we as individuals make a, a decision and it impacts a small group of people around us? And then we put people in positions of government and we don't expect their decisions to impact thousands or even millions of people when they make those mistakes. And so, in the days of Micah and in the days that we live in today, there will be corruption in government. Because in government there will be humans. And any time that you deal with human beings, you're going to deal with people who from time to time make mistakes. And there will be terrible decisions that are made. But not every decision we see in our government is a terrible decision. We see our government do a lot of good things. They do a lot to help people. They make a a lot of, of wonderful decisions that help us out. But thrown in there are sometimes decisions that can take lives in the case of abortion. They can affect eternity in the sense of decisions that are made maybe pertaining to homosexual marriage or something of that nature. And so when we read these words in Micah and we see this this imagery of this horrible condition, this horrible thing that's happening to children, and sometimes when you're doing maybe your daily Bible reading or you come to the book of Micah as you're reading through the Old Testament and you stop and you ask yourself, man, that was absolutely horrible. I can't imagine if anything like that happened today. And then pick up your newspaper. It doesn't sound the exact same as what you would read in the book of Micah. But it's not that far off in time. You see a a parent who kills a a small children. We see that so often. A parent who has a baby and, and they'll do absolute horrible things to that baby and take that baby's life. And so we see things that are happening in our world today. Some of those, unfortunately, do come from decisions that are made by our leaders, by our government officials and the laws that they pass and the laws that they make. The same thing is what Micah dealt with. And he gave that warning to those secular leaders. And he said, you hate what is good and you love what is evil. You hate what is good and you love what is evil. And I know we've said that quite often. But really stop and think about what he's saying. When we think about good and evil, when we think about right and wrong, as Christians, hopefully we understand that good and evil and right and wrong comes from God. And it comes from the laws that God has given us. And I think what Micah is saying here is something that could be said of, of some of our leaders today. When it's said that they hate what is good and they love what is evil. I think what Micah is telling them and what we may need to remind ourselves and our leaders of today is that they forget to put God as their guidepost. They forget to look to God when they're making laws. They begin to listen to either a majority or a minority, it may be even at times, And they make laws based on what people want and the desires of the people. And they forget that God has desires and God has commandments and God has given us very strict information. And when we forget to use God as our guidepost, we're not only making decisions that could possibly affect us, but we're making decisions that could affect others as well. 
In verse 4, we see the result of those secular leaders making poor decisions. It says, Then they will cry to the Lord, but He will not answer them. He will hide His face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. You see, God tells us that we can only turn our back to Him so often. As leaders of a nation, they can only take God out of so many situations. Because sometimes a nation who has continued to put God to the side, one day will look to God for rescue when things have gotten terrible. But they've refused to believe God for so long that there will be consequences based on those decisions. And we don't look at God as turning His back and refusing to forgive. But we must understand one of the most horrendous aspects of sin is A, it separates us from God. But B, even if we turn back to God and we reconcile with God, God will forgive us. But with with forgiveness does not guarantee that we lose consequences. And we see that in our lives so often. We sin, we do something horrendous, and we think that we can turn to God for forgiveness. And we can, and God will forgive us. But consequences will still be there in the end. And God's not going to take away those consequences. And the leaders of our nation hopefully we'll realize the same is true for them. That decisions that are made when they turn their back on God, the consequences will be there, even if we turn back to God. The second message that we see here is a warning to the prophets or the religious leaders at the time. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, who lead my people astray, who cry peace. When they have something to eat but declare war against the against him who puts nothing in their mouth. Therefore it shall be night to you without vision, and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and they shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners put to shame. They shall cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. You see, here we see the problem that they were making. Micah says that The prophets of the day will lead people astray, but they will cry peace. They will lead people astray, but they will cry peace. You see, the message that I hear when I read that is a message that's taught so often in our world today. That we can follow God, but we need to do what makes us happy in the end. If it makes us happy, how can it be bad? If it satisfies me in the way that I worship God, how can it be bad? But you see, what we forget about so often is that when we come together to worship God, when we assemble together as God's people, our goal is not to satisfy ourselves. Our goal is not to please each other. Our goal is to worship God and the ways that He would have us to worship Him. Peace can be taught. God can be taught. The Bible can be taught. 
But if things are not taught according to His will, are we leading people to God? Or are we leading people away from God? A message of peace can lead away from God. There are those that we see that do things that make themselves happy in the way that they worship God. Maybe they change the day in which they worship God. Maybe they change the method in which they worship God because it pleases them. It sounds good to them. It makes them feel more spiritual. When you worship God, who is it about? Is it about you? Or is it about the one that you've come to worship? When you assemble together to worship God, are you the number one person that you're concerned with? Or is God the number one person that you're concerned with? When you assembled this morning, when you assembled this evening, who did you come to worship? Yourself? Or your God? Who has the power to give you eternal life in heaven? Do you have that power? Or does your God have that power? You see, I shouldn't assemble with the purpose of making myself happy. Even though it may look peaceful. Even though it may look kind. My purpose is to worship God in the best way that I can. And the best way that I can worship God is the way that He wants to be worshipped. The way that He's directed me to worship Him through His Word. That's the best way that I can worship God. Because it's His way. And His way is the perfect way. You see, the prophets at this time, they prophesied for money. And they were looking to make a dollar based on their prophecies. And so if they were given what they wanted, the prophecy was going to be good. If they were not given what they wanted, the prophecy was going to be bad. Do we ever fall into that trap? If things don't go our way, do we take it out on the way that we worship God? So-and-so made me mad this morning. I'll never be back there again. So-and-so made me mad this morning. There's no way I'm going to worship with them. Can you believe the color of the pews that they chose? There's no way I'll ever step foot in that church again. That song leader this morning, can you believe those songs that he chose? They had nothing to do with the lesson. I'll never step foot in that church again. Have you heard those things before? That's when I put me at the center of worship and take God out of the picture. When I get angry, do I take it out on God? When somebody else offends me, do I point my anger towards my Heavenly Father? The person who sent His Son to die on the cross for my sins. You see, when I get mad at a brother or sister, and it affects the way I worship, who am I really hurting? I'm hurting my Father who is in heaven. And yet then I have to think about everything that He's done for me. Everything that He's given me. And yet I'm going to take my frustration out on the way that I worship Him. We need to be careful how we react. When we read about these prophets, let's not put into our mind their sins. 
Let's not point a finger at them and say, how could they be that evil? Who in the world would base their prophecy upon whether or not they were happy? And then turn around and make the exact same mistake that they did. I shouldn't worship God only because I'm happy. But yet, worshiping God should make me the happiest that I am each and every week. Am I happy because I worship God? Or do I worship God only when I'm happy? Starting in verse 9, we begin to read the consequences. The consequences of what happens when we turn our back to God. The consequences of what happens... When leaders, when government leaders turn their backs to God. The consequences of what happens when religious leaders turn their back to God. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, the rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe, its preach, priest teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money, Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Let's pause there for just a moment. In other words, what I think they're doing, what I think Micah's teaching us, is that we can't do do things our way during the week. And then when things get difficult, wear the name Christian like it's going to get us out of trouble. We can't think that God is going to be a father who we can turn to when things get bad enough. We can't keep God close enough so that if we get ourselves in a little bit of trouble, we can turn to Him and He'll get us out of trouble. If we're going to claim to be a Christian... We don't need to keep God at arm's length. But rather, we need to put God in our hearts. We need to put God in our minds. If we're going to wear the name Christian, let's let God lead every step that we take. Every thought that we have should come from our Father. Every deed that we do, every action that we have should glorify God. God's not there just for when we need Him. We shouldn't use God as a lifeline. We should use God as a way of life. Because if we only depend on God when we need Him, we're going to be stuck with some consequences. Some consequences that we have to live with. But if we see our God as somebody who will direct our paths and lead our step, as Adam talked about this morning. If we will follow His light, most of the problems in life, not all of them, but so many problems in life will never happen in the first place because we're following that light. You see, the only time that we encounter... Not the only time we encounter. Most of the time when we encounter difficulties, it's because we've gotten off the path. Most of the things that we have to go through are because of mistakes that we made. 
sometimes we will have to face things in life just as Job did that are not any doing of our own. God admits that. God tells us that in the book of Job. He tells Satan, he says, you told me to do this to Job. Something that it's not fair that he faces. Paraphrasing. Sometimes things will happen that are not a result of our doing. But when those things happen, do we remember that God's in control? Do we remember that in the end we have a home with God in heaven? To finish up, we read verse 12. And we see what can happen to a nation who continually turns its back against God. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the house a wooded height. You see, Micah's telling them what's going to happen in the end. He's telling a nation that has turned its back on God what the result's going to be. That nation will be defeated. As I know Adam has said in in some of his lessons in, in dealing with Micah, sometimes we look at the United States and we wonder, what will the end result be? Will the United States suffer destruction and devastation based on the decisions that our rulers have made? We don't know. We don't live in a time in which people like Micah will tell us what's going to happen. It could It may not. But as we close this lesson tonight, as we live in a world or in a nation that continues to put in God we trust on our money, as we live in a nation that claims to be a Christian nation, we're just like those during the time of Micah that think how can evil come upon us God's in the midst of us. We're going to claim to put God in our nation. But we're going to make decisions that don't reflect that. We hear the warning of Micah to that day and time. Maybe that will be the result of the United States. Maybe not. But let me ask you a question as we close our lesson tonight. we're fixing to have an election in this country. And we have differing opinions on who will best lead us through this next election. When we think about the rulers of the United States, when we think about all of those quote-unquote Christians that we see leading people astray, when we see that in our world today, We as individuals have two decisions that we can make. We can, number one, use it as an excuse as to why things are headed in the wrong direction. And we can blame others for the mistakes in our world today. And we can think about things in the way of, well, at least I'm not doing as bad as they are. We can see it as an excuse as to why we can't make a difference. We can make excuses. Or we can do what God wants us to do. 
We can take it upon ourselves that though my government may not make the decisions that I agree with, even my preacher may not make a decision that I agree with, I can still do all I can to be the best that God wants me to be. I can do everything that I can to ensure that I go to heaven so that I can ensure that my family goes to heaven. I may not agree with everything that happens in Bible class. I may not agree with every decision that's made in the local church. I may not agree with every decision that's made in my local government. Will they be my excuse for why I don't do what I can? Or will I do everything in my power to make sure that my family goes to heaven? We've heard these words so many times in our life. But when a nation must make a decision as to whether or not that nation will follow God, we have to ask ourselves, not as a nation but as individuals. Choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in the United States. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow at Ninth Avenue. But if I lead my family in the way that we should go, then whenever my eternal tomorrow happens, I know that it will be with God, and I know that it will be in heaven. And that's all I can control anyway. We need to be involved. We need to care about what happens to our nation. But we don't need to use it as an excuse as to why we can't but rather we need to trust the God that we serve in and know that we can. We may not see the difference that we make, but we have to do everything that we can to try and make that difference. Because only then can we truly stand before God on the day of judgment knowing that we did what He asked of us. As we finish this lesson... Have you used the surrounding world to make excuses? Because if you have, tonight's the night to stop. Even though the world may be evil, heaven is possible, heaven is real, and I know that each and every person in this room tonight will say heaven is where they want to be. Don't make excuses based on what others do. Make a difference in the world based on what you do. If you're done with excuses and you're ready to make a difference, make that difference tonight. Begin tonight. Begin right now while together we stand and while we sing.